CJ Peterson, and welcome to The Journey is Real. We talk to real people with real passions who share a real portion of their hearts. Today, my guest is Michael Messner, and we titled his podcast, Look Out, The Violence of Youth Sports. Thank you for coming on today, Michael. Thanks. Glad to be here. Awesome. Well, hockey is like a passion for you. And I can tell this because when I went on your website, I noticed that you were actually a hockey player at Penn State. Would you mind kind of sharing your journey with us from that, you know, from growing up in hockey to, you know, doing it in college to where you are now, where you've actually made a documentary and we'll get to that in just a second. Sure. Well, I grew up in, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania uh, in the seventies when, and eighties when hockey was not a big sport here in Pittsburgh, but I just so happened to go to a grade school that had a very tiny ice rink. So all of us youngsters in first grade, we started to skate. And that's of course what you need to play hockey. And then it's just, it just became a passion, a love, um, the checking and all the violence that, that sort of came with it. We didn't really fear it because it came with our first strides. We were sort of running and bumping into each other. And when you're you know nine and 10 years old, you're, you're very malleable, you can, uh, you can take a lot of punishment and not know it. And that wasn't the goal of the game for us as, as little guys. Anyway, our goal was just to get that puck and try to put it across that goal line. So, I grew up in Minnesota, where as soon as you could put skates on your feet, you had a hockey stick in your hand. I get it. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and, and it is hockey versus, you know, a team cohesive learning all the ins and outs of it. So it, it is a completely different ball game when you're talking about them. Yeah, and it, it's it's a small community, but it is a it is a very passionate community, and it was very everybody in Pittsburgh who played hockey knew each other, and so when the boom happened, when Mario Lemieux started playing in Pittsburgh, everybody wanted to play the sport, and our group was a little bit of ahead of theirs, so we would play in high school, and we played as we as we uh, progressed through our uh, light hockey life when we hit high school we would play on these travel teams and well, no team would really come to Pittsburgh to play us. So we would go to Buffalo every weekend, or we'd go to Philadelphia on the weekends. Um, so that whole travel hockey world is a different world that my family didn't really know anything of. And only a few families in Pittsburgh knew what it was, but every weekend you leave on Friday and you go to these different, different cities and you play hockey for the weekend, then you get back home. So it, it is a different kind of, of sport where you're traveling every weekend. Now, I think all the other sports are kind, kind of followed their lead. Mm -hmm. you, you see it now with softball. You see it with baseball. You see it with the AAU basketball. Even cheerleading. I mean, all the sports across the board are doing this weekend traveling thing, which adds another element of chaos to an already chaotic world. It does, and it all, but it also brings your closest friends and your, and your family, and you're closer together than you thought you really would be because you have to be in that hotel room with your family. It's, it is a good experience that way where you are all a community where other parents can say, hey, get in bed or don't do that. You're listening to all these people tell you, and if it's a good group of, if, if it's a good group of families, you can be raised in a really, you know, in a good way where you understand, okay, this, this parent's not yelling at me. He just wants me to be better. So he's telling me to do these right things. And then there'll yeah, be different kind of, yeah, there's different kind of people on the, on the trips. There's 
you know, there's pastors, there's athletes, there's everything. They're kind of all giving you this, this guide that is more than the sport, which was, which I found really fascinating. Yeah. And if you're like in a small family or something that allows you to kind of experience a larger family and it builds a sense of community, they say that it takes a village. Well, there's your village is actually traveling with you to the different communities. It does create a bond, like I said, but it also adds a little bit of chaos to an already chaotic schedule because you're doing practices every night or at least two to three times a week, you know, but you have to love the sport to do it. And most of the people that I ever knew that played, you love the sport. You do, no matter what role you play on the team too, you love it because it takes, it takes six guys on the ice at a time, including the goalie, to make something happen. You really rarely can do anything yourself. So you have to rely on those other guys who you travel with, who you bond with, who you practice with, who you sweat with. Um, even at a young age, you understand that and, and you share that you, your confidence grows in such a way when you're involved in these team sports um, that I think it's really beneficial for everyone to be involved in, in some kind of team sport growing up so they can see what it really takes. Um, you see the bad, you see the good, but, but the beauty of team sports and in particular sports with contact, um, I think you overcome a different kind of fear and you gain a different kind of courage when you battle through you know battling through those bigger people when you when you have to face adversity in the size of somebody who's six feet while you're five feet it, it's it's a different kind of confidence booster if you make it through it um than anything else you face the football players the hockey hockey players you know girls hockey all that stuff you you, you sort of you gain a little bit more than you than you do otherwise. And you also know that there is a team behind you. So if somebody does take you out, you know that they're going to take them out. So it's kind of a little bit of a build on it. My family's got my back. Don't mess with me. You know, it's so true. And, and I was thinking about myself growing up. I had two African-American players on my team, which was extremely rare. And, and one of them I ended up playing high school with. And the courage that those guys had to face in the 80s which doesn't seem that long ago, when, when we were playing high school at this place called Armstrong, they had a gorilla on a noose and they were lowered on the ice in between shifts. Mm. And the courage, this kid was a big kid, a great player, but, but the courage that he had to face and what we all learned in the locker room ourselves as kind of privileged white kids with this Afri African-American who everybody's making fun of from the opposing team it was a different experience for me. And I think there's, for me, there's a story there that I'd like to tell at some point in my life, but I can't, it can't be a documentary. I, I'd like to maybe work that into some other kind of story, maybe a book or whatever, but it, it was those two, those two players. We even had a, a manager who was African-American, but that kind of courage, you look back at it. And at the time we didn't think it was anything, but, but what they really had to face was eye-opening and it was really, everyone in that locker room became better all around people because of our experience with that, because we, we didn't experience, right. The, the discrimination, but we felt it, you know, in, in a way, way. against one of your brothers that, that makes a difference. Yeah, it was, it was, you know, it was definitely, you know, a, a learning experience and it made us a little bit, I think it made us all a little nicer in the end. Mm -hmm. Well, going from hockey in high school, elementary school and junior high and high school, up to college is like jumping up to a whole other level. How did you navigate that world? 
Well, I got recruited by a couple of different schools. Um, there's different tiers of, uh, of uh, hockey at college. There's division one, division three, and then club. So I got recruited by some division one, division three, and Penn State was this really powerhouse club program that beat division one teams and beat division three teams. But I wanted to do D1 or D3. So I had committed to some other, another school. Um, and then I spent the summer at Penn State counseling hockey camp. And I had never, I had been in boys school for 12 years. So then I was a, a, a counselor at Penn State's hockey camp in the summer by the pool. And I said, you know, I'm going to go here for at least a year. So I did that and I ended up falling in love with it. And, you know, to, to follow up on that, I got a one six my first semester because my head was just spinning. So I don't know if the all girls, all boys school did me uh, justice for that first year, but, but it helped me grow up. That's for sure. Definitely gave you a, a good dose of society, yes. <laughs> a different dose of society. So, but after, after college, which we had a very successful college run, we won the national championship for, for club. Um, I got some, I reached out to some pro teams to play at the, like the single A baseball level. Mm -hmm. um, so I went to Florida and I played in that league for a year and I realized that I was good, but the guys who were really going to make it as a living, they were just so much better right. than me. So I said, I better get on with my life. And that's, that's when I started coaching and uh, my passion for, for hockey still remains. And uh, when my kids started be to become of age to play hockey, um, I put my son in it and my wife was like, well, what about Cecilia, your daughter? Well, she, did, she said, what about Cecilia? And I said, well, you know, I never thought of that. So Sidney Crosby has a program here that you get free equipment. So we put them both out on the ice and my daughter, she could skate like the wind and she really took to it. And uh, the confidence that she gained was was so much fun to watch. And that kind of led to the, the project of first year checking the, uh, the documentary. Well, since you brought that up, let's go ahead and transition into that. You said that it brought it up. What brought it up? The, the documentary for those who are listening is actually called First Year Checking. First is in the number one ST, and that will come into play later when we talk about the website. Um, could you tell us a little bit about the documentary? What spawned it and how does it go? How, what's it about basically? So, uh, like I said, I've been in hockey for over 40 years. Mm -hmm. And to me, every documentary takes you to a place where you've never been before. So while I was coaching my daughter, there was no checking. And um, they had raised the level, the age group where you can check. So my daughter's age, they raised the level to basically you're 12 and 13 before you can start check hockey. So she's had three years of enjoying this wonderful game where it's beautiful and you're floating around. And then you and get shoved into the rafters and yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. for those who are listening, <laughs> I understand it. For those who are listening who don't quite know what that is, though, can you explain what checking actually is? Good, yeah, right. So checking is when a player has the puck, which is what you try to score with, another player is allowed to dislodge that player with oh, a body <laughs> Yeah. As pretty much any way you can, but you throw your body into them, you use your hands, there's a lot of hitting in the head, but you try to do whatever you can to get that person away from the puck. And a lot of times when two players are just going for the puck, it's like two rams butting into each other before somebody touches that puck. So it's 
checking is trying to get the puck from somebody by throwing your body into another player. It's, it can be very violent. It can be very beautiful. It's, it is, you know, it can also be very dangerous, especially at such a young age. I mean, I know they have helmets on, but it's kind of like football players. You can only get knocked around so many times before things start happening in there. Yeah. And your brain does push against your skull. In the documentary, we interviewed a couple of people from the Mayo Clinic and they go into a little more detail. I'm more of an emotional storyteller. So I didn't really follow that path as much. I sort of just documented my son's journey through the year. Um, but getting so back to Grayson? Where, Grayson, yes. Yeah, okay, so uh, I know he's starting it. So I always make sure he's following Yeah, Grayson is, Grayson is, when he went into his first year of checking, he was not as good of a skater as my daughter. He was not as strong as my daughter. He was not as big as my daughter. So in a lot of ways, I was more worried for him than for her. But for her, I didn't really even know this world existed. I did not know you flip a switch and okay, you guys can kill each other now. So mm -hmm. she went into that year and I was basically telling her, stay away from everybody, be very careful. And she, she is a tough person. She wouldn't listen to that. But it was so physical and people were, were not ready for it. The kids were not ready for it. The two players actually who love the game, who are great players, they quit after the year. And to me, that was like, okay, this is heartbreaking. This is a really important time in these kids' lives. They love this sport. They're putting good energy into learning how to work hard, how to, how to play with a team, how to do all of these wonderful things. And now it's just sort of, they're just quitting. Kids are just dropping off. Uh, the face of the uh, the hockey world. So I, I started studying a little bit more and I said, okay, there is definitely something here. There were concussions, there were broken bones with my, my daughter's age. So I said, when my son hits this, I'm going to start shooting a little bit and see if there's any meat to this bone. So that that's how it came about. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit about the documentary itself? Like it says that you followed him, but you know, Without giving away too much of the movie, um, can you kind of explain a little bit about what goes on? Sure. Well, it starts the year before he goes into checking. And we do this interview with, with Grace and my son when he's 12. And he does a really good job of telling us his feelings. He's not, he doesn't really talk much outside of being with me. But at that, at that point, but at this point, he really opened up. And I think it can help other parents see and other kids who, who I'm getting some feedback from um, say, all right, I feel that way too. Cause Grayson said, you know what? This is gonna be scary. This is gonna be tough for me. This is, a, this is a lot to deal with at my size, at my age, at my ability, when I'm going up against kids who are a foot taller and, and people are going to question, am I tough? Can I do this? Um, well, and so, kids like that and, and females in that particular role, you feel like you have to prove yourself, which makes you even more aggressive than the average. And you get yourself in a, a lot more trouble that way too. It, it's so true. And, and um, it is interesting to watch how some deal with it and some take to it right away and how others don't. Um, but what the main thing that concerned me on the journey was that these kids can be in, in a lot of danger. Um, and the way the USA hockey is set up, there's two officials on the ice and there's so much to see. I turned into a, an official too. I said, all right, I'm gonna try to ref this. 
and see if I can see what's happening. But, <laughs> That's like yeah. trying to watch an anthill try to get together and watch every single ant while they're building the new anthill that you've just destroyed. <laughs> yeah, you're looking for so many rules. The rule book is so thick. You're looking for icing off sides. There's parents yelling at you, coaches yelling at you. Then there's a check and you're like, did that, did that elbow hit his head? I don't know. I don't think it did, but maybe it did. And that could affect that kid for a long time. So there's not enough governance on watching the game itself. I mean, this is a love letter to me to hockey. I love hockey, but it's also a very, you know, you got to be careful with these kids. And it's a bit of should, a kind of like, can, can we, can we bump this up a little bit as we're putting them in this position to have a little bit more supervision because they are just developmenting, developmentalizing at that point. Did I say that correctly. Um, they're starting to, you know, develop on the inside a lot. And when their head is, their brain is literally bouncing off their head, that's gonna hurt the development of that child. It's so right. And that's why people are so confused as why did they start the checking at this 12 and 13 year mm -hmm. age when it could have been earlier or it could have been later. My son's now 15. He could, uh, he, I would be fully confident with him stepping into it now and being okay. And a lot of the other kids are some of the kids who ended up not being okay. But I would be, you know, he has some more skating under his belt. So he's more solid that way. He's got a little more meat on his bones. So he's more solid that way. Um, well, and the, the way boys develop because they start to at about 13, 14, not 12. And the testosterone is a thing as a coach, I didn't know how to deal with. They're just spazzing out on, on the bench saying things to you like what wait a second, what's that? And you're like, okay, there's some hormones going on here that, that he can't control right now. Um, so there, but we need to look at um, our neighbors to the North in Canada. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's different levels of hockey. There's triple A, double A, single A, triple A is the best. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what Canada did in Ontario is they said, okay, we're going to leave checking in that triple A Everybody is really serious about hockey. They might have a chance to play professionally, even though that's a 1% chance, but they're on that track. If you're developing a little bit less, you're going to be in the double A and the single A bracket. And they eliminated checking in all of those brackets. Which is so, good because then they can still enjoy the sport and the camaraderie and the community without getting slammed into the wall. Like I said, I grew up on street hockey and, you know, ice hockey on the ponds where there weren't walls. So you really couldn't necessarily check. You could <laughs> knock them over, but you really couldn't check into a wall. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing is if you get good enough at those double A and single A levels and you mature and you're good enough, then you should go, then you can make that triple A level. But, mm -hmm. but here the game is starting to grow uh, exponentially. So when you're in Texas, when you're in California, when you're in Florida, you're seeing it just build and build and build but there aren't enough referees or people off the ice to be able to really see what's going on. Mm -hmm. And it's, it gets a little bit scary that way. And also the money, USA Hockey and uh, local organizations don't wanna put the money to pay one more referee. We were in Detroit last year and our kid, one of our players got a, a concussion. And I went to the referee, I said, didn't you see him get hit in the head? Didn't you see what happened? He's laying on the ice for five minutes. And he said, you know what, I didn't see it, so I can't call it. And I said, well, what's the deal? Don't you think when they have checking, there should be three of you, one just looking for this mm -hmm. and the two others looking at all the other things? He said, we've been trying for that for years. It should be at every level of checking. 
uh, three officials, they just won't pay for it. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're endangering these, these youngsters um, by not having an extra set of, the, uh, of eyes and on It is actually endangering them unnecessarily. If you know, they just paid one more rep specifically looking for checking only and not all the other infractions, it would help them out immensely. Yes, but, and, and the, the thing that, that they, there are beautiful checks, there are beautiful things that happen with, with the physical play and there is the, the- I mean, it is part and parcel of hockey. You know it's gonna happen. <laughs> you know you're gonna lose teeth, you're gonna lose all sorts of stuff. That's just part of the hockey, that's part of the fun of it. You know, but there is a dangerous aspect to it. Yeah, just and it does- Football and to, you know, rugby to, to pretty much any sport but if it's supervised and developed properly it can be done in a way that's not quite so dangerous it, it's it's so that that's perfect the way you said that and also the other thing that that has come up after the documentary is why don't we do what football does and have some weight limits <laughs> there's i have a kid who's we we had a team that just went up to boston and now we were the older kids and there were other kids starting their first year of checking so we had a kid who's 200 pounds going up against 90 pound kids. No way. Now, if he had the wrong kind of testosterone, if he was mad that day or, you know, something bad could happen. So I can see a case. There was no weight limits back when I started in Pittsburgh and because there just weren't enough kids to play hockey. We just wanted as many as we can. And I, and I think the game can grow so fast and so much more. And these contact sports just gotta, just gotta watch out. It seems like football's, actually doing a good job they're protecting the quarterbacks in the nfl they're watching out for these head hits i, I think hockey is just always just a step behind and this is a chance just by doing one or two things they can make it a lot better well in all honesty in, in america football has a little bit more precedence than hockey and this is saying it from a hockey fan um but up in canada like you mentioned you know hockey has more precedence and so they're a little bit more stringent on the rules and the guidelines are already there. And if we just kind of pattern after that, there's a lot of stuff that can be alleviated from it. Yeah, they, and, and if, like you said, they're the, they are the leaders. This is their sport. That's it's their thing. Sport. I mean, flat out, that's, that's what they do. And Minnesotans too. I mean, exactly. you guys are pretty crazy. Hmm. Um, and in fact, in Minnesota, Minnesota has eliminated the USA hockey and a couple of, a couple of leagues say, we're not listening to USA hockey. We're starting checking at, as soon as you start skating, you're going to be checking. So you know how to check mm -hmm. so that you know what to do with your body so that you know that skating is the most important thing. Because also what happens when these kids play hockey without checking for all this time, your head is straight down and you're stick healing like this and you're looking straight down at that puck and you don't see the big 200 pound kid coming to get you. So you learn bad habits. So I don't necessarily agree that checking should start at six or seven, but I don't necessarily agree that it should start at 12 and 13 or whenever. I just, there is something here that, that some higher powers need to study than, than me. Now your movie, we have just a few minutes left. Your movie has won some awards already. Can you tell us about those? Yes, it won uh, some awards in Toronto. It's a uh, best sports documentary and best and documentary. That's saying a lot for Meta Toronto. <laughs> yes, and also in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. And then there was something called the Documentary Film Festival, which I really enjoyed. Um, most of these are on Zoom, but the Documentary Film Festival, they did a really neat thing where they gave you actual feedback 
from viewers. So they interviewed the viewers afterwards and, and they gave you the feedback. So, so people who I didn't think the movie could touch really touched. Like it was, it was moms in, you know, Florida. It was, you know, older people, it was young people. So it, it does have more of a, an appeal. And I think it's more of a, an appeal of this film shows you what it's like to go through and try to get that courage. Maybe you get it, maybe you don't, but it shows you how to fight through the adversity and hopefully come out a little bit of a better person, a little bit of a stronger person um, after you can face the adversity, not necessarily just the checking, but the mental part of, can I do this? Which was the part that fascinated, with, fascinated me. Yes, there's a lot of hockey, but there's a lot of off the ice of what does this take mentally and how do you get through that? Now, for those who want, are interested in it, how can they learn more about your movie? You can search, it's, it's on YouTube, it's on Google Play and it's on Vimeo. So if you just search first year checking YouTube or go to the website, um, which is actually have both domains, firstyearchecking.com with a one or with spelled out first, okay. um, you'll find it and uh, click on it. YouTube's going uh, pretty bananas right now. So that seems to be the place where most people are getting it. So they can click over from this if they're watching on YouTube and uh, go to first year checking. Awesome. Now we have about two minutes left. Is there anything you'd like to add? This has been great. And I, and I really appreciate uh, the time. I appreciate the back and forth. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think people will really enjoy the film um, and uh, just give their, give their sons or daughters who are going through these um, battles, whether it's physical or emotional, give them a little more space and give them a little more positivity. I work closely with the, with the coach at Penn State now, who's division, their division one, this guy's Guy, Guy Godowski. So he coaches the best players in the world. And he is just the most positive person. And you think at that level, you're always peck, peck, peck. He's like, who wants to be around a person who's negative? Mm -hmm. be, be that positive coach, be that positive parent, be that safe zone for your player because they're they're going to learn through their sport where they fit no matter what give them that positivity awesome well thank you for coming on today michael we really appreciate your insight into the sport and that you know a lot of what we talked about can actually be blanketed across some of the other more we'll call them active sports <laughs> yeah. more active sports it can be put across the board you know kids can face the same fear in football in rugby in you know if they're Australian rules football players, good night. They don't even have <laughs> the padding. I mean, it can go across all sports. And it's like the safety of the children is the most important portion of this. Um, but also learning it from Grayson's point of view is a unique perspective that I really appreciate you showing. And I, I thank my family so much for letting me stick a camera in their face for a year and a half. <laughs> I said thank you for coming on today Michael and thank you guys for listening to The Journey is Real. We talk to real people with real passions who share a real portion of their hearts. I'm CJ Peterson of cjpetersonwrites.com. Until next time.